Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Media Podcast. This week coming from the Guardian Edinburgh International Television Festival. I'm Ollie Mann and I'm in a room in the Edinburgh Conference Centre. Uh, everyone has a glass of wine in their hands. There are a lot of people casually holding twiglets. Coming up on the episode today, we will bring you our unique take on this important event in the TV calendar. We will be discussing David Abrams' McTaggart. We will be talking about race and youth on telly but much more importantly we'll be covering the gossip as well that's all to come on the media podcast sponsored by audio well with me in edinburgh today is the tv editor of heat magazine boyd hilton veteran of this festival i am yes how, how is it for you boyd this year compared to other years uh, well fifth this is my 15th ollie wow just want to make that clear 15 tv festivals in a row um this one is as good as they all have been if not that's- better Damning with faint praise. Yeah. 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 And next to Boyd, we have the newly appointed media editor of The Guardian, Jane Martinson. Busy press office this year, Jane? Yeah, it has been really busy. What, what's the big story that you think your audience actually want to read about? Well, obviously the McTaggart um, speech by David Abrams, but also the Game of Thrones session yesterday. That was, that was a story that lots you. of people have read about this morning. I'm astonished by the numbers. <laughs> I think anything Game, of, Game Thrones. of Thrones. I was going to say, I well, I think we might have put sex in the headline as well, so Game of Thrones Very sex. Very good. Mm. And Finally, we welcome to the media podcast the broadcaster June Sarpong. Uh, hello, June. Also, the founder of the WIE Symposium. Oh. Uh, now, what is that? You've been doing your research. Uh, it's a women's conference. It's a women's empowerment conference. Do you, we empower women. Can you can you empower women here in Edinburgh, or is it something you do uh, on? I'd love to yeah. if they'll have me. Okay. Yeah. But you were here to actually. You were hosting a, a session, weren't you? Yes. Mm-hmm. On on youth TV. Yes, it was called Desperately Seeking Sixteen to Thirty Four Year olds and it was really all about sort of the state of um, youth television or, or the lack of it of which more later okay yes. but before we actually talk about the kind of the meat and gristle of the conference and everyone's talking about what's in the sessions and who said what and what David Abram said and everything but actually it does seem most people are here for networking you know most people in the industry are here to actually prop each other up at a bar pass their business cards around so let's actually just talk about the reality of that for a minute how much is that going on do you think uh, Jane I mean how much do you identify is going on because there's this uh, very friendly vibe around but underneath there's this undercurrent of, of business I feel I'm sort of surprised. I went to Cannes in June, which is an at that advertising festival, and I think there's much more of a vibe. It's one, it's huge, but there's a, a real vibe of people making deals in alleyways. 
I think here you don't get the, the making deals, but you, but you do get, you know, there's the sort of dinners and people in Soho House late at night, although mm. the music was really loud, so there wasn't a lot of, you know, it's more like shouting at each other. But that was fun. The other thing is, it's a really, you know, it's an industry where everyone likes to know each other, and so that's great. And this sort of place, you know, Edinburgh at the end of August quite a nice time it's like before the start of the new term isn't it you can sort of get together after holidays and have a laugh i hadn't thought about it as a back to school conference but there is a certain vibe of that as well isn't there people setting out their big shows for the autumn as well yeah. boys. oh absolutely yeah I, I mean i regard it as a kind of like a celebration of tv an annual celebration of tv i mean it's called the festival so it's kind of partly a conference where you know you are debating topics and things like that important topics sometimes sometimes not but for me it's it's really just i, I, I you know i want to hear about good tv that's coming up and i want to talk about good tv that's passed so jane's session with game of thrones yesterday which i went to it was interesting i did a session with jade mercurio this morning the creator of um, line of duty and that's what it's like that's what i get excited about yeah. all the kind of industry stuff i have to say bores me but um i think it's a really good thing because it's it, like the tv industry comes together and celebrates that it actually is really good and june having spent some time in the states recently i imagine there when you have an event like this, people are much more brash about that business element. I mean, here there's this sort of self-deprecating British, let's all go and get pissed together, but we won't talk about business thing yeah. going on, isn't there? Yeah, there's like an embarrassment about it here, whereas in America, they are up front. They are there for business. In fact, they want to talk business before they have the social chat. Mm, mm. And and it's and the difference there as well is they want to sort of see if it's worth talking to you. Um, I, I much prefer our kind of reserved way of doing it. Yeah, that that much said, nicer. where do you think is the best place to do a bit of networking if someone is listening to this and is thinking about coming up next year and wants to push themselves around what have we learned well i think i don't know jane maybe you and boyd can sort of lead on this better i think people are more open to networking here if you met the same executives somewhere else in london or Mm. at a party in london and you're i don't know an up-and-coming producer they're probably not going to want to talk to you whereas here they know that's what they're here for so i think they're much more open to it so actually it's a really good place to come and hit the top level program makers and decision makers 100 percent. yeah you may not get any um, programs out of it but you can at least um, tap them up and um, late yesterday there was a group of youths who probably just been to your session june who um gave me their card and um, I looked at it and I will probably, you know, I might check them out when I get home. And so that kind of thing happens. But I think... Will you write about them? That's well, what I might would be do, successful. If good. Yeah, if they're good, they're you good. know. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'll certainly, you know, it's like people do do that. You know, they do yeah. go up to you and publicise themselves here. For anyone who can't afford it or who isn't being paid for out of the public purse by the BBC, uh, if you were to stand outside the Edinburgh International Conference Centre with your business cards and your demo reel, uh, there's a lot of executives just standing outside having a fag, aren't there? Oh, God, totally, yeah. <laughs> and that's actually quite a good way to do it next yeah. year, folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. It's sort of hard to say there's one event that you should go to, like the opening night drinks, because often it's people you bump into on the yeah. stairs or yeah. in the corridors, you know, that, that there's, everybody's here. And people tend to, like, go to the same big events and big think speeches. OK, good stuff. Well, let's talk about the, the, the meaty stuff now. And let's start with the Mac Taggart, because <laughs> that is the thing that people tend to focus on. This year, it was Channel 4 Chief Executive David Abram. Uh, which has been reported, actually, Jane, as kind of Channel 4 boss slags off Kevin Spacey uh, in the the Mail Online. But actually, there was a bit more to it than that, wasn't there? Give us a gist of what David has to say from the industry point of view. I think what um, what was strong about it was that he's come out and said, let's defend public service broadcasting. And, you know, he does, obviously, there's a, he could be accused of being very little Englander about it. I think he's, there's a line in his speech where he says, I'm not putting the union jack over creativity which he was slightly but he he is you know in a year 
where we've had a sort of, as you said, a string of Americans. We've had a few um, big purchases, obviously Viacom and Channel 5. He's sort of saying, look, we've got something very special in the UK, which is public service broadcasting. Now, if I were to quibble, I would say... That message this year ahead of an election should have come from Tony Hall of the BBC. Now, politically, obviously that's slightly awkward and difficult for for Tony Hall. Mm. But still, you know, David Abrams has stepped up to play. He's doing his bit. You know, obviously there's a bit of it in any McTaggart, which is then about Channel 4 and trying to protect Future Brief Channel 4. But I think putting that out there and saying we're nine months away from an election, public service broadcasting, the licence fee, we don't have a chair for the BBC Trust... Mm which he didn't say, but it's all part of the background picture, that's a really important thing to be thinking about. Except, I mean, one take on it is that he is coated in the Union Jack and he's celebrating British television, but I suppose another way to look at it is actually he's the majority of the audience who are listening who are now owned by these indies that he's effectively saying have got a bit big for themselves and why are they earning so much money? You're sort of alienating quite a lot of the audience. Yeah, I don't... I mean, talking to a few people afterwards, it... I don't think it was the most sort of popular McTaggart I've heard from lots of people, like you say, who arrive Rindies or they, you know, they've been bought by big companies. I mean, David himself said, you know, he spent half his working life working for an American company. Mm. So, you know, and I think he had a couple of little digs at sort of um, London Live and Richard Desmond, which, uh, you know, people think there are bigger targets out there that are sort of um, not Kevin Spacey, obviously, but uh, yeah. he could have talked about more. But uh, And he also talked about the impact on viewers as well, didn't he, Boyd? Because this can sound all very media industry, but he, yeah. he was also saying... Uh, you know, if all these big companies, these American companies, take over these indies, and if companies like Channel Five seem to exist to rip off Channel Four, then mm. the viewers notice that over a period. Yeah, of time. although I completely disagree with him about that because he seemed it was a confused message. Because on the one hand, he's saying we must all be aware beware of Americans taking over British TV companies. So, for example, you know, Viacom has taken over Channel Five from Richard Desmond. I'm sorry, but when the news was announced that Richard Desmond was going <laughs> to sell it to a, a, a good media company rather than his own insanely run <laughs> business, where the whole time plugging OK and New Magazine rivals to Heat, obviously, um, I was delighted. I think everyone punched the air. Thank God it's been taken over by Viacom and it's run by Richard Desmond. So the idea that Americans are bad and that British are good is nonsense. I mean, that's absolutely bizarre. And then he went on to slag off Richard Desmond. He says, well, what's your point? Would you rather it was owned by Viacom or Richard Desmond? Simple question. Um, to me, it's a no-brainer. So there's that. And B, the idea that the Americans, like, if they did end up saying, you know, to be specific about it, his, his thing about, you know, the Americans could end up buying ITV. Well, A, I don't think they will. B, if they did... Really? Well, why are they buying it? Because ITV is now very successful, and the reason it's successful is because its programming is really, really good, better than ever. So why would they change that? You know, I think the idea that... I just think it's all... It felt a bit... To me, it felt like he's anticipating a problem that doesn't really exist. And even then, his idea of what would happen if it did is kind of misguided anyway. So I've disagreed with the whole thing. And in the post-McTaggart... I don't know what you could call it really where they pour over the corpse with Steve Hewlett the morning after Steve Hewlett was kind of pushing him on the point of how much money Channel 4 is actually making and he was pushing right, back saying right. well you need to look at all of the network well, of the channels thing, yeah that, was, that didn't make sense so he, on the one he was saying Channel 4 is brilliant it's doing really brilliantly we've done great we've, we've ridden through you know the, the economy and everything and we're making the best ones and the other ones he was saying but we need something else to safeguard us about something I wasn't quite do you really because you're doing a brilliant job but you've just been telling us so again that felt I didn't understand that point either and do you know Obviously, you were very frequently on Channel 4 in the noughties. How do you think it's changed from then to, to now and the company that he's trying to defend and, and, and promote? Well, you know, the thing that we were talking about, I moderated a session on, you know, the future of 
youth television and I think what's very sad um, is that Channel 4, well none of the broadcasters are doing this but Channel 4 really should be the place that does it in terms of nurturing new talent, um, there's not enough of that going on and, and also I would say that you know if we look at you know five years ago sort of our time when we were all coming through that system there were really sort of definable faces of the channel and I don't think you have that anymore it was really clear if you said channel 4 you knew who the channel whether it was from a Chris Evans right down through to you know Denise and Johnny right down through to us Mm. you knew who those channel 4 faces were and and that isn't the case anymore I wouldn't know who to say oh that's a iconically Channel 4 face anymore. And a lot of people the they have of... were there from before. If it's a yeah. Jamie Oliver or whoever. Well, they're kind of, you're right, but they're kind They've of now inherited they're those them. people who front those um, lifestyle shows. So there's the Kirsty Allsops and the... But that was from before, though. That, yeah, that yeah, was right, yeah. all inherited well, they, Basically, talent. they shouldn't go to T4, should they? That's, well, I mean, that's, that's, well, we yeah. all agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but actually, in terms of genre mix, maybe but even that the, they, uh, they'd old, say that their faces now are are made in Chelsea and White D from Benefit Street. You know, so yeah, they make a different kind not, of show. That I wouldn't say because I think there's a di- it's a different skill set. I think the skill set of um, a reality star, whatever, and, and I love reality TV, so I'm not one of these TV people that poo-poos reality TV. I love reality TV. I think it's a different skill set to actual television hosting or whatever, yeah. you know, where you're nurturing and creating talent within um, a sort of, proper produced non-scripted format I was going to quickly going to say because you did you, you asked about I didn't I forgot to actually answer your question about the viewers the effect on viewers of what David Armour was saying and that, that's my thing is I didn't get an idea of what the effect would be on viewers and I do feel sometimes about particularly with the McTaggart it's not really about TV and viewers and creativity it's kind of about I mean Kevin Spacey addressed it a bit last year in a, in a rather boastful way but I didn't feel with this year's McTaggart that it was about making TV and being creative it felt a very a very industry topic this year I, I think the whole festival to me so this is my first year back in four years so sadly I missed Kevin Spacey last year but um, I do think this festival seems very industry focused yeah. it's very about you know controllers and you know how to make TV programs and but, and I think that I mean it's always been like that you have sort of it's a bit you know the swing of the pendulum so last year lots about creativity you know great actor talking about uh, talent this year really about the industry and I think the Metagger was a big thing of that which is all you know terms of trade those yeah. sorts of topics which it's not about the viewer that you know no, most viewers yeah. are going what you know right. and me, let us I'm, talk I'm about right. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know. indeed well it does get very uh, policy heavy let's say and regulation heavy so if you're interested in that kind of level of detail uh, do download Friends of the Podcast the Broadcast Talking TV podcast uh, where you can hear packed head John McVeigh uh, getting very animated on indie trade deals rather him than me I'm Maggie Brown. I'm a veteran media writer and journalist, and uh, this is my 28th Edinburgh. I would say that there's quite a lot of unhappiness about David Abraham's McTaggart. Uh, there's some quite a lot of bitchiness going on behind the scenes, saying it's all very parochial. I actually think it needed to be said. Uh, because there is this massive change going on it's quite clear people think ITV is going to be taken over next that maybe 20% of its shares have already been bought up by uh, speculators anticipating a big takeover I think also people are interested that Tony Hall the Director General of the BBC hasn't popped up this year like he did last year he suddenly made a sort of flying visit to say there would be no more demonisation of people who got things wrong and of course we've just seen a rather interesting example uh, at the BBC over the 
digital media initiative where uh, they, they most certainly seem to have done that under his watch. So, no, lots going on. Lots of people just happy to be in television. The thing that's really struck me about it, and it links up with David Abraham's uh, McTaggart lecture, is that there's clearly a big change underway. Uh, whether you want to call it globalisation or Americanization, that's up to you. One of the most interesting sessions I've been to was actually about European Union money going into co-productions of a European nature involving at least three broadcasters in, in Europe and probably uh, different languages as well. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. In an attempt to really big up drama to make sure that the budgets can match those of um, HBO and um, other cable channels that they can actually kind of match the Americans uh, and I hadn't realized how much money was available as grants to do this one million euros for example as, as, as a basic sort of subsidy for really big productions of 12 million euros so there is a sense now I think that uh, everything is moving really fast and the people here it's not just entertainment formats it's looking for every single way really to exploit good ideas and good content and to look for hits real hunger about okay let's look around a bit more of the festival now june jane and boyd are still with me uh what have been the main themes this year do we think well let's start with youth actually because we touched on it a couple of times but june you know particularly with the 
I nearly said closure of BBC Three. Of course, the BBC would call it the the online uh, migration. But anyway, migration. The, the death of BBC Three. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of focus on where are young people going to go to watch telly now. Mm, yeah. Well, well, what was interesting about our session is. You would think that the young people, oh God, that's so weird saying young people now, <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say. Uh, what, are we talking 1634? Yeah. I'm still in it. Lucky by one you. year. You're I'm young. still officially young yeah, by one you're year. Officially young. <laughs> Enjoy. It only lasts a year. Um, unless you're 16. Um, All but, I watch is E4. <laughs> really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what a lot of them were saying in the audience is that actually, for them, TV is still the holy grail. TV is still what they aspire to do. So even if they are online at the moment, the idea is to be online so that you can eventually be on television. And I think the broadcasters really shouldn't miss a trick because if there's a generation that grows up not used to watching television, then that will no longer be the case and then TV will become obsolete. But at the moment, they they are looking to TV to be the sort of the ultimate destination point. And I think that means that really all the broadcasters need to do is just make programming that they want. And Jane, Stuart Murphy uh, told Richard Bacon on Five Live on Thursday morning that moving BBC Three online was a massive strategic mistake. Uh, And David Abram actually said he was delighted. I mean, he was joking, but it was tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, he was kind of being serious as well. Delighted at the move because it might be good for E4. Do you think the general feeling is the BBC's made a mistake? And I think, I mean, lots of the executives here obviously think it, it is. Um, I mean, Stuart then went and obviously appointed um, Zai Bennett to head up Sky Atlantic from BBC Three. Mm. And um, on a panel yesterday, when talking about Game of Thrones and all the sorts of scandal and the infighting, he made this brilliant line about how, um, you know, at least in Game of Thrones with American drama again... Um, uh, which is not exactly low quality, all the infighting and backstabbing and bloodshed was um, on the screen, whereas at the BBC it's all behind the screen. <laughs> so I think there's a huge amount of bitterness. And yeah, I do, I mean, you know, I, I, it was an odd decision, I think. I mean, OK, the budget was 90 million, it's going to go down to 30 million. Half, apparently, of the viewers are online only. But, you know, it was the only channel that really was dedicated to younger people, and that's what they're supposed to be servicing. And June, in your session, what was kind of the outcome as much as there was one in terms of what what is the prescription for how to remedy the situation and get more young people watching telly yeah um i think it was a couple of things well you know back to the bbc3 things i bennett uh, was very vocal in our session and you know basically said it was a disaster and obviously part of the reason he left but i think in terms of what they should be doing what really came out of our session was it's not an either or you need both and I think what the, B- B- the BBC's move is an either or decision. And actually, what the audience is saying is yes, they still want television, yes, they want online. In the same way, when they watch a television program, they are tweeting about it. They're not choosing Twitter over television. So the idea is why can't you have both? And I, and I think that's actually a great point. If anyone can find someone from the BBC who can explain why they need to take it off air, because that doesn't save any money. So they made the cuts, right, to programming, massive budget cut, fine. But why they need to take it off air and stick it online, no one. I've asked everyone, from Danny Cohen downwards to BBC press officers... They can, and it gets to the point where it's embarrassing because they well, literally don't. They've made this doesn't decision. It? But doesn't anything. it cost hardly more to anything. transmit on yeah, television? It may even cost, but hardly, hardly at all, though. Really? Yeah, hardly at all. But it's all about the, the program budget was slashed massively. But the actual transmitting the channel is no different. Is hardly so any. What, they're not saving so any money. Is, at all. is the conspiracy here, boy? That this yeah. is a sacrificial lamb ahead Absolutely. of child renewal. It was it's it's saying, like, look what will happen, yeah. politicians. If you it's cut basically more money. Danny Cohn, the BBC oh. bigwig, is kind of going, look, we can cut stuff. This is what happens if you don't, 
you know, give us you, the money. It's a political act, and it's insane because next time Tories, we're coming for BBC Four. Yeah, I mean, really, actually, if they'd have cut BBC Four, they probably would have been in less trouble. I, mean, I don't think they should cut any channel that exists at the moment. But there would you know, have been less uproar. There would less uproar yeah. because that's not a channel. That, you know, the youth, without wanting to be cliched and yeah. patronising, romantic about it. If you're not getting young people watching TV and watching, you know, what the hell? There's what a future-proofing well, going yeah. on. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, one thing I would say about BBC Four, your, your session was very interesting, but I think mm. they should have been a focus on BBC Three mm. because to me that's the biggest issue one of you know maybe yeah. apart from um, black people you yes. know my, black people and ethnic minorities yes. that issue well, yes. sorry, you've seamlessly moved us on to our next yeah. topic yeah. point but apart from that for me BBC Three really should have been a big focus mm. uh, you have seamlessly moved us on to our next topic point because Good. in fact we are going to talk about race now as well yeah. because there was some research out during the festival friend of the podcast Liz Howell revealing in a week long study of mainstream channels that the least diverse genre of television on screen was topical, factual and entertainment. So shows like Come Dine With Me, Cash in the Attic. Boyd, surely those are the kind of shows that actually would be quite easy to find a diverse cast for. You just need yeah. to make a point of looking for them. That's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely bizarre. Um, I just think the whole issue... I mean, a friend of mine, Danny Lee Winter, who's an actor, who started the whole Act for Change campaign, which is... So the two things happen really with, with this issue is Lenny Henry, uh, BAFTA made a big speech about it, which was amazing. And then my friend Danny Lee went to, who's a, an actor, um, was watching an ITV drama um, launch uh, kind of, you know, VT on TV. And there was no ethnic minorities in the whole thing, their entire drama slate. And he launched this campaign with his acting friends. And they put that, the letter in The Guardian recently was kind of connected to him. So anyway... I mean, it is extraordinary, and it's gone backwards. So backwards. there are fewer people on TV than there were five years ago from an ethnic minority background, black and ethnic. So all of that, and I think um, for me, the one thing that came out of it is that Stuart Murphy of Sky made an absolute commitment to changing it and putting rules in place at Sky to make sure they would and that's the only way around it and I can't see why the other broadcasters don't follow suit I don't see what they're it, well Danny is. Cohen's answer to it basically is I don't like quotas you know I support the idea of having more ethnic minority faces on screen but I don't like quotas but then you think well you've had 30 years saying that and it hasn't really yeah. worked I mean Sky has said that they've, they're now committed to 20% haven't they yeah which um, is above actually the proportion yeah, of the population and they've done a quota for having women on screen now whether they, they get to do that or not mm. is another matter I mean one thing I have noticed you know almost four years as women's editor talking about issues of Mm. diversity you come back to Edinburgh frankly you look on those panels and and I'm not saying I mean this is an incredibly gender diverse you know there are men and women in the TV entry and in here and you look at those panels and you're lucky if you get one woman this morning there were two women in Mm. a session and it was shocking there were four men Mm. of course so the balance is always you know about one to five Mm. but the number of ethnic minority faces the number of non-white faces is unbelievably low probably 1% probably what is it do you think uh, here today probably 1% 2% yeah. And June, again, compared to America, you know, yeah. what's the difference? Because a lot of black actors say yeah. they go to the States to get cast in dramas in and a kind of colourblind way, yeah. and then they're playing American, even though they're British, yeah. and they can't get cast here. What's the difference between the way the US looks and the way we look at casting? Well, I think the difference is that I think they look at it as a business. So for them, it's the bottom line. It's not from this PC, you know do-gooder lens and I think that's actually the issue here is that it's still very much seen as the other and I think anytime anything is looked at through the lens of the other you are always going to have problems because you're not viewing it with the same level of criteria so therefore if somebody comes in with a program idea you can't get past race you can't get past gender to see whether or not this is good you're not looking at it from just a clear lens of is this something that there's an audience for 
for, whereas in America it's a business decision. They know that there is X amount of people of color watching television. Therefore, if you don't reflect them on the screen, they're not watching your show. You are not making money. And I think the difference here is it's not looked at in that same way. It's seen as a pity thing. It's, oh, mm. we should... No, it's business. It's bottom line. Channel 4, at any of the broadcasters that rely on advertising, 14% of the population is a big number to ignore. It's nuts. But that's, that, that said, you know, as a person of colour, have you felt that actually sometimes oh, someone box-ticking works in your favour because they are saying, <laughs> well, we're looking for a black presenter? Um, that's a good point. Um, I don't know. No one ever says to a man, yeah. do you find that being a man is really good for your career? Yeah, 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 yeah. but it is. Oh, my God. Yeah. The, the being statistics a white man are. really good for yeah. your career. Just June so is sort you know. of maybe one of a kind, but she's there because she's probably had to work really hard. <laughs> no, no one ever asked that question. No, like, no. You must, you know. I mean, there's all sorts of decisions yeah. that are made when you appoint someone, yes. aren't there? But, you know, that sort of, most people appoint in their yeah, own image, don't they? they? Do. Sorry, go on. No, but you're right. Most people do appoint in their own image, but that's fine if the audience is only your image. But if there's a big, sizable chunk, and the chunk of an audience that is growing, you know, when we get to 2015, 2020, it's going to be almost double that number. So it's nuts to ignore it. I just want to say one little thing which is slightly mean about the McTaggart speech yesterday. Were you in the room watching it? So if you were in the room and David, you know, to his credit, he said Channel 4 needs to do more for diversity and they've done this fund and they had, and behind him on the screen, there are all these pictures. I mean, so, I mean, on one hand, really good, you know, really focusing on the regions and BMAE. And then he had these pictures and every single picture, there was one woman and they were all white middle-aged men, every single picture. I mean, I don't know why they allowed those pictures to go So just let the pictures out. Because the message was good, the visual was bad. Was bad. <laughs> but June's point is, is so good because um, what I was talking to again to my friend Danny about is that in um, if you think about it, you know I think that one of the problems is is that executives at that level of people just who are deciding who's on TV and who isn't they kind of overthink everything they're like oh if I do this if I put this person on TV then someone's going to go I'm like in America that's just not even a consideration is it and it's like and it's almost like they're anticipating something that just doesn't exist and, and if you think about it the biggest music stars in the world are black the biggest sports stars in the world are black but the British British TV stars aren't and it's a why so what do they think you know the whole world you know is kind of obsessed basically with, with those culture. with black culture yeah. except the BBC and I, Channel 4 and ITV so you know coming up next it's the media quiz Hello, producer Matt here to say that we couldn't bring you coverage of this festival without the kind support of our Kickstarter pledges, Audioboo and the good people at Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio and online store. And media podcast listeners get a free trial and 10% off by entering the code MEDIAPOD at the checkout. Squarespace is easy to use. Just drag and drop media into the browser window, choose a template that suits your project, and that's it. You're ready to launch in minutes. Start a trial with no credit card required and begin building a website with Squarespace today. And get 10% off when you use the offer code MEDIAPOD. Okay, it is the Media Quiz Edinburgh special. This time it's called Greenlight. I'm going to read you a list of show titles announced at this year's festival. Slightly unfair advantage to Boyd, I appreciate. You're going to tell me which channel 
commissioned it. Buzz in if you know the answer. So I'm going to give you the title. You're going to buzz in with the channel that commissioned it. Title number one. Boy Meets Girl, Britain's first transgender sitcom. Me. Is that, what are we supposed to do to buzz in? Buzz in. What did you say, Boyd? Boyd. Oh, hi. Me, Boyd. BBC Three. Correct. Uh, right. Title number two. Wild Things, the game show where adults get dressed up in furry animal outfits and negotiate a woodland obstacle course. Oh, yeah, I do know this as well. Sorry, <laughs> Boyd. Yeah, it's Sky One. But you're right, that is Sky One. And we will all watch one episode of that, I think it's fair to say. They don't need to be bothered with the third and fourth, do they? Coalition, exploring the political wrangling after the 2010 result. That's I mean, I know. I'm going to let you guess. Yes, okay. there you well, yeah, we'll call that a tiebreak. <laughs> yes, it is Channel 4. Uh, is that the same that one as. Good. Yeah, that sounds quite yeah, good like idea. Big story on it this morning. Yes, well, I saw it being reported in the press as a kind of drama about Nick Clegg, but this sounds like actually it's going to be about both sides of his called coalition. Are they two separate projects? I think the focus is on Nick Clegg, though, from what I've read. Yeah. Good, good, good. Uh, and th- now, this, even if you don't know, you should be able to guess the channel from the description. Cordon, where a Belgian village is quarantined after being infected by a contagious and deadly virus. A Belgian village. Doesn't sound very ITV. Come on, let's go for this. Sky? Uh, no, no. Oh. BBC4. Yes, yes, correct. Jane has it with BBC4. Boyd was, was slightly, you know, patronisingly nodding. Sorry, I know, I know. Again, this is about the representation of women in the industry, isn't it, really? I mean, yeah. you're being patronised, essentially. <laughs> Boyd is going to get fatter because he wins the cream egg, so you can take some Thanks, of I really need that. That is it for this episode. My very big thanks to Boyd and to Jane Martinson and to June Sot Pong. Uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks. Remember, you can get the podcast as soon as it's ready by subscribing via our website, themediapodcast.com. This week's episode is dedicated to Wendy Schaffer. Wendy is a technical and radio enthusiast in Silicon Valley and to Andy Smith, long-time listener, first-time pledger, who works for Beamly, the social network for television in Sydney, Australia. Thanks, Andy. Good day. I've been Ollie Mann. The producer is Matt Hill. The media podcast is a PPM production and not affiliated to The Guardian in any way. Until next time, bye-bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com So, Retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of kids' classic, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. On Tuesday, how Rockford became the cheese of kings. On Wednesday, we meet the Jobs and Wozniak of the 1800s. On Thursday, the history of the YMCA, from the city of London to the village people. And on Friday, the edgy musical that made Greece the word. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts.